Welcome to episode 9 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. We're recording Thursday, May 9th, the lovely Rosario Dawson's birthday. She turned 34 today. Happy birthday, Rosario. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. My name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Happy birthday, Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson. Tonight we're going to bring you the hits from the 80s, 90s, and today as we talk about comics through the ages. But before we get to that, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Have you ever looked at a beautiful painting and thought, gee, I wonder <laughs> where the inspiration for this I wonder what the muse for this painting was. The comic, the McSauce comic book podcast is this beautiful, epic painting. But McSauce.com is the muse, if you will. You can find our web strip comics on McSauce.com. You can see our reviews. We tell you all about what we think about this week's shitty or awesome comic books. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. Like us. Tell us what you think. We got a lot of good feedback this week on Facebook in regards to Matt's new Twitter handle. We'll go into that in a little bit. Um, follow us on Twitter at Gint underscore McSauce, at The Sauce, and maybe coming soon at, you know, something or other. We'll get into that. Um, you can find us on Podomatic, uh, McSauce.Podomatic.com. Download us in the iTunes store. You can also now find us on Stitcher Radio, so you can um, check us out on your mobile devices. And um, I think that's really all we have today in housekeeping. Um, I, I'd like to thank all our fans for We got a couple new reviews that were posted on um, the iTunes store that helps us climb the rankings, get noticed. And uh, I appreciate all the fans that wrote reviews, all the people that got to us on Twitter this week and uh, said how much they liked this the uh, podcast and how they're enjoying it, even though it is long as hell. So um, I think that's all I really have. And um, also, um, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about this, this summer at the Oaks in um, Oakmont. Oakmont, PA, for those fans... Here in Pittsburgh, there are um, Moonlight Matinee Film Festival, and there's a, if you go to theoakstheater.com, you can check out the schedule of films. Um, on Friday, May 24th, The Goonies will be playing. I know that we talked about that in an earlier podcast. Uh, Paul will be there. First in line. Yep. Gremlins. Like for Goonies? Yeah, Goonies. Gremlins will be playing May 31st. Rocky will be playing June 7th. Better Off Dead, a personal favorite of mine. Give me my $2. June 14th. Is Better Off Dead the one with John John Cusack, Cusack and the radio? Yeah, uh, no. Not the radio. He's That's a ski day, instructor. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's great. I love it. Scream will be playing June 21st. Pulp Fiction, uh, June 28th. That seems like something that you would hate, Paul. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction? Yeah. I saw Pulp Fiction like six times in the theater that it's, summer. That you hated out. it that much. I don't know why that's something that I, I think that you would think hate. I, hate yeah, I, was, I don't know. Because it's 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 kind of goofy. It's not... It doesn't scream mainstream, I guess. But oh, it, it turned it turned into that. I have a... Um, <clears throat> I, I have a, a little Pulp Fiction story 
from way back when, from when you gave John Travolta a handy. Yeah. Uh, one of those awkward uh, run-ins with celebrities. Way back when I turned 16 years old, um, it was my 16th birthday, and um, my brother was in college, and my mom was out for the evening. And you were exploring your sexuality. <laughs> and I was exploring my sexuality. <laughs> with reruns of Welcome Back, Cotter. How does Pulp Fiction fit into this? Uh, uh, John Travolta. So, yeah, right. So, um... I had turned 16, my mom was out, and it was just me and my dad, and um, nobody had said happy birthday to me, um, and it was maybe about 7 o'clock at night, and I finally said, you know, it's my birthday today, and he was like, oh, I totally forgot. Oh, how crushing. <laughs> so, so to make up for it, he took me out, and we went to Movies Plus to rent a movie, and I ended up getting Pulp Fiction. And then we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and got a bucket of chicken. Delicious. So happy birthday! That was my man. 16th birthday. That's so sad that he forgot your 16. <laughs> your mom, my your mom forgot. My dad forgot. Your sweet 16. Yep. <laughs> That's so sad. I bet you. Well, now what would you have liked on your sweet 16? Like pony ride? Um, I don't know. I mean, if it had been a regular birthday, I wouldn't even remember it. And I remembered this one, so... Do you hold this grudge against your family? No. No. I think it's kind of funny now. Because now I'm able to share this on the podcast. And, you know, Get this out of your system. Yeah, right. It's kind of like therapy. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to the uh, Moonlit Matinee schedule. Uh, July 5th. Just to be clear. Jaws. None of us are getting paid for... Piping the moonlight matinee. No, no, we're no, just fans of. We're fans of the Oaks, and and they're they're uh, a great theater, and they do a lot of cross promotions with some comic book stores, and um, maybe they should start doing cross promotions with comic book sites and podcasts. Just to be clear, we don't get paid for well, anything. Might. Twizzlers hasn't paid us yet. Come on, Twizzlers, get your uh, shit together. That pizzeria that we always get pizza from hasn't paid us. But we are accepting uh, donations and sponsors, so please get in touch with us. You know how. Uh, Blues Brothers, July 12th. My birthday, the Blues Brothers. Um, Back to the Future. Shame that I'm playing a better movie on your birthday. Oh, you don't like the Blues Brothers? I, What's wrong with you? Sorry. Yeah, I'm not. Like, They're on a mission from God. That. Come mission on. Mission from God. <laughs> so Back to the Future's when? Uh, July 19th. Fantastic movie. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Another fantastic. July 26th. Raiders of the Lost Ark. August 2nd. Second best Indiana Jones movie. The Warriors. I've never seen The Warriors. August 9th. Me either. I've never seen The Warriors. Maybe we ought to go on a McSauce field trip and see The Warriors. Well, I've never seen Jaws either. Are you fucking crazy? We talked about this before. Yeah, I've never seen Jaws before. Is that for real? Yeah, I'm being serious. Is it one of those deals where you've seen parts of it, but you never actually sat Matt, down and watched the majesty? No, 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 no. You're yeah, looking at me butt, like, Jesus. No, I, they're behind my back. Jesus. Um, no, I've never seen Jaws before. Okay, we're, that's the field trip we're taking. Yeah. We're going to take you to Jaws. Pop your Jaws chair. And finally, National Lampoon's Vacation, August 16th. That's a pretty cool lineup, guys. So if anybody wants to go with us when we go see Jaws, get in contact with us. We'll blow you off. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll go with you. So, um, now that housekeeping is done, our, an extra long 
heaping helping of housekeeping. We know we know you love the housekeeping. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to talk tonight a little bit about comic books through the the ages. We only really will be covering the eighties, nineties, and two thousands because that's all we really have any information about. This episode brought to you by Twizzlers, obviously. Crinkling directly in front of the microphone. <laughs> Strawberry twists. Ordinarily, we have a nice plate with uh, with Twizzlers on it, but today we're just ripping straight out of the bag. So before we before we jump into comics through the ages, I would like Ian and Matt's opinions on who would win in a fight between Han Solo and Captain Kirk. Now, time out. I want your opinion because you have a raging hard on for this podcasters. Every episode when we talk about what we're gonna do. Paul brings up that he wants to talk about this, so we must talk about this. I want to know, actually, before we get into... Matt was real quick on the trigger, so I'm curious to hear his reason. Why quick on the trigger, just, just like... Just hands down on Just like Greedo was... Now, we haven't set any kind of terms here. I mean, Han would just shoot him. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, uh, maybe Kirk would shoot first, I don't know, but Han would actually hit him. Kirk would stun first, I guess. Do we have weapons? What's the environment? Is it do do they get ships? I was I was laboring under the impression that this was just a bare knuckle fist fight. Okay, so no no, no blasters, blasters or phasers. No phasers. No Millennium Falcon or Enterprise. Just bare knuckle. Mm-hmm. Bare knuckle fist fight. Tatooine? Were we fighting on Tatooine? Or that rock planet with uh that lizard dude? Gorn. The Gorn. Californian desert. <laughs> yeah. We can do that. Which Well, which one? We gotta see... Californian desert Tatooine. Why do you need to know where they're fighting? Because, <laughs> to make this entertaining, I think we should paint the picture for uh, the listeners. You guys are gonna have to do a comic of this. We right? might have to. I didn't give any thought to where they're going to be fighting. What the fuck, man? You've been pushing for this for so long, and you're like, oh, I don't know. Now, which version of Kirk is it? Is I'm it? keeping it real simple, and you're like... Well, if we're going to talk about... Because yeah, I, what were the weather conditions like? <laughs> what, what are are we going to talk about this fictional battle, or are we just going to say, yep, nope, nope why done, don't, why click? Don't we, uh, why don't we fight in the cantina? That sounds good. Which version of Kirk are we using? Are we using... Original series Kirk. Original we're series using, Kirk. We're using both characters in their prime, not Fat Kirk from Nemesis or semi-Fat Han Solo from Return of the Jedi. Empire, Return of the uh, Empire. Let's, uh, let's go. Let's go. A New Hope. A New Let, Hope. Early A New Hope. Han Solo. Young when and he's virile. Still, when he's still kind of a douche. When he's still kind of a badass. Okay, so in the cantina, young on young, young on young male action, Matt. Go with young, young on young. <laughs> you go. Well, you you well, you were ready. You were right away with Han Solo. The, uh, Han Solo. I mean, why? Why do you think Han Solo? Well, Han Solo beat Boba Fett without even looking. Because Boba know. Fett's a fucking beat character. A beat character. Yeah. It was an accident. Yeah, it was an accident. That doesn't count. And also, um, Han Solo had to cheat to beat Greedo. He had to shoot him first. Hmm. We shot second. N- no, um, <laughs> not on this podcast. He didn't. Um, well, 
Actually, on the DVD or the no, 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 no. We're going with the original way it happened. The original theatrical release. Han Solo is a murderer. Cold-blooded murderer. Because he had his back against the wall. It wasn't exactly cold-blooded. I mean, the guy had a gun to his face, so I think he was kind of justified in I'm fine defending with that. himself. I just the the rationale for having Han not shoot first is really stupid. Because they don't want to make him like a bad guy. But he was being threatened. His life was being threatened. True. Yeah, but true like heroes. Like if somebody came in here, don't kill. And, I didn't dump Jabba's in, fucking shipment. They better not put a blaster on me. If somebody came in here and stuck a gun in your face and you happened to, like, be carrying at the time, and, like, you know, you have your gun under the table, I mean, like, if you shot that guy in the face, that would be fine. I'm It'd okay with him shooting Greedo first. Yeah. I'm, I'm all, all in for that. What I'm not in for is George Lucas getting cold feet once he got so old and I was like, eh. Well, it's so funny Han Solo's because... kind of too... Too morally, too morally ambiguous. It's really we funny need to clean him up a little because bit. in the originally Han shot first, and then they changed it where Greedo shot first. And since all this backlash and everything, they've had them shoot at the same time. That's ridiculous. But Greedo thing, was just a bat, a worse shot from point blank range. How could he miss from like? Because Han Solo had that sweet neck move that he did. <laughs> Didn't didn't they go back to Han shooting first in some version in some DVD? It, they, no. They've changed it so many times. I can't even. No, remember. he doesn't shoot first. He shoots simultaneously. All right. Well, so is this leading into why it's unequivocally Han that wins this fight? No. Um, Kirk telegraphs all of his punches almost like a wrestler would. Like he a, does. Yeah, like he winds up like absurdly big. Um, Han would see it coming a mile away. Who has more machismo, Han Solo or Captain Kirk? Captain Kirk. He's a, I think yeah. he's a bigger... He banged his way through the galaxy. Yeah. So. He's a little, little more douchey, I think. But I also think he would win in this fight. Why do you think he would win in this fight? Because Kirk has military training. That's true. He went to an academy, whereas... Now, did Han Solo he, also he have some academy training? training? So does Han Solo. No. I didn't see Han Solo I don't in the know. Academy did, in A New Hope. Did you guys? I read it in a comic book recently. I didn't Does see that a, count? I didn't see a Lucasfilm-sanctioned canon piece of fiction. I read this book. It, I read this book. Training. It was called Star Wars. And, was uh, it written by George Lucas? It was written by uh, Brian Wood. Is that the same guy? <laughs> is Brian Wood George Lucas' pen name? He is, he's not... But George Lucas also wrote some other ridiculous shit in Star Wars that we have thrown out. Until until Han Solo is in the Academy in Episode 7, 8, or 9, we don't know what his background is. Everybody fucking knows he was in the Imperial Academy. That, uh, that, uh, that accepts the expanded universe. But it's, te- it's technically not canon, because all that stuff's going to get erased... When like all the post Jedi stuff's gonna get erased whenever they yeah, make these that movies. Yeah, but that was pre Jedi stuff. That can get erased too. Nothing's canon until it shows up in an official movie. So I th- I think that negates what kind of training Han Solo has. But we know for sure Captain Kirk had military training. Have we ever seen Kirk in the original series really throw down on anybody and really beat anybody's ass? Because I'm more convinced 
They had that, to fight all the time because uh, uh, that's all the budget had. That's all the budget they had. Yeah, but I kind of feel like he fought with um, Spot with with uh, rocks and 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 his, his the people that he was fighting weren't going to be think, as challenging as a crafty smuggler. You don't think Honor Kirk would pick up a chair in the cantina and break it over the other's back? Um, I think Han Solo would do that. So my vote is for Han Solo. I think I think Kirk would also do it. I think Kirk he has. He has just just a little bit of edge, because Han is great at getting himself out of trouble, and getting himself out of the fight. But when it actually comes down to throwing down, I think he'd be a little less experienced. I don't know. I disagree. Have you ever seen Han Solo in a fist fight? Mm, I'm trying to think. I don't think he ever did get into any fist fights. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, Matt, you look like a salty dog over there. Is that a compliment? Not necessarily. I don't think it's a negative or positive compliment. Oh, okay. You, you look like you're stewing. But but no, Han Solo is equally thinking. as resourceful as um, as Kirk, because when that pussy Luke Skywalker was freezing his little tush off, who cut the fucking tauntaun open? Han Solo. Resources. I'm not saying and Han Solo. I'm not saying it would be an ass woman. No, and Han Solo also has um, reflexes on a level that, like, Kirk can't compete with. I mean, he flew. That's true. I mean, field. Kirk eventually went on to be T.J. Hooker. Han Solo was fucking Indiana Jones. So <laughs> on that merit, Han Solo wins. True. <clears throat> you, you never meeting watched, adjourned. You never watched T.J. Hooker. I never happened. Motherfucker threw down. Did he? Did he? I never watched TJ Hooker. TJ Hooker was a great show. Was it really? With Adrian's Med? Absolutely. Ooh, who the hell is that? He was his partner. I don't know. Heather Locklear, when she was hot. Oh, yeah. Before she did that weird Swamp Thing movie. I do remember her. Was it a movie or was it the um, ongoing series that was on USA? I thought it was a TV movie. It could have been. Guess we better use the Google. <laughs> So let's uh, let's dive into. Does that mean Han wins? Yeah, it does because it's two to so. one. So it's a, in your it's face, a two to one. Sorry, in my Kirk. face. That's all right. You guys are you guys are misled here. Okay. Podcasters, <laughs> chime in. You know where to find us. Who would win, Han Solo, Captain Kirk? I think you guys are blinded by your love for Han Solo, and I love Han Solo. Too. Uh, we like Captain Kirk too. We do? I do. I do. I like Captain I Kirk. Who would win in... Oh, no. I can't do that one. It would be good. I was going to say who would win in a fist fight. Um, Kirk or Khan. Khan. Khan, because he's, he's, he's genetically enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's why I stopped saying it. Because well, I thought about those awesome pec muscles. Well, who would win in a fist fight? Khan or Steve Rogers? Uh, I don't know. Who would win in a fist fight? Con or Darth Vader? In a well, fist he's fight. Not no force. He's, but he's mechanically he's older. Mechanically he's a cyborg. Older. So doesn't that level so out Darth, the... Darth, Darth Vader would win. Because... Would he win? But he's also an old man. But I guess they're both old men. Yeah, but he's he's cybernetically running. Yeah, but all Con would have but to do can... is pop that helmet off. Yeah, but he's... you can punch Darth Vader wherever you want and it's not going to hurt him. But if you take his helmet off, he's going to die. Do you know how easy it is to take that thing off? He has a giant black egg that needs to take that thing off. For him. No, he doesn't because fucking Luke, Luke does it off. at the end of 
Jedi, do you watch mm. these movies? Suppose he did. <laughs> <laughs> no egg required. <laughs> if I may. Well, that was the new model helmet. Shut the fuck up. You're such an asshole. Uh, can we do one more who would win in a fight? We can thing? do as many who would win in a fight. <laughs> we can do an entire podcast based on who would win in a All fight. Right, one more tonight. And then and then we'll start picking combatants for the who will win in a fight podcast. Who will win in a fight? Is that the new the one you've been reading? The who will win in a fight cast. Uh, back when I worked at the hobby shop, we had uh, a pretty healthy cast of characters that would come in um, and spend their their evenings with us at the hobby shop. And a lot of times we would discuss things such as who would win in a fight. Um, one of these individuals was Action Figure Matt, as he was known. Um, Not to be confused with our own Image Matt. Right. Action Figure Matt uh, really liked action figures, if you could believe that. Um, I don't he, believe it. And he would also like to talk about who would win in a fight. So one night, he was at the hobby shop, and he was asking us who would win in a fight. You know, Xena or Joe? <laughs> and I'm like, me and my friend Jeff, J- Joe. Right? Jo- wait, Joe? Joe, from the Facts of Life. Oh, holy crap. Okay. I went with Was Joe. that, wait a second, I mean, you looked at me like I was crazy when I asked you Joe. That was my reaction, though. Okay. I was like, uh, Joe? And, and that's exactly what I said. And he said, like, almost like, what are you, stupid? Joe, from the Facts of Life. <laughs> And, and like we had to take that in for a minute, but uh, I think unanimously we agreed that that Joe from the Facts of Life would would beat would Zena. beat Zena. Yeah. Why? Have you ever seen the Facts of Life? Because it's, because it's funnier. <laughs> so so anyway, she is pretty badass. That is my all time favorite. Who would win in a fight? No offense to your Kirk Han Solo. Uh, Heather Locklear was in the 1989 The Return of Swamp Thing. As Abby Arcane. Mm. And it was sci-fi horror comedy. Mm, The whole thing was a comedy. So tragedy, really. I'm done with uh, said Twizzlers. No, you're not. Someone needs to watch his figure. Who would that be? Me, son. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. So, let's... are, Are we digging in with the 80s? The 80s comics? Sure, we can do that. What uh, do you want to dig into first? My, with the with the biggest comic milestone <coughs> in the eighties? Yeah, what what do you guys feel were some of the the touch marks of the eighties? Uh, I I know the Dark Knight Returns was one of not that I read any comics really during the eighties, but that would be one that looking back was yeah. I didn't my get favorite. into comics until the nineties, but um, you know those are the ones that I read. That and Watchmen are the. The two big ones. Crisis on Infinite Earths? Now, we read, Paul and myself read Crisis on Infinite Earths way after, uh, probably around 2003, oh, 2004. 20 years after it came out. Yeah. Almost. How did you feel that held up after so long of a time? I'm a really bad judge for that kind of thing because I have a hard time looking at that old artwork and that old coloring. It looks so dated and the way it's the way it's written, it just screams eighties and I almost can't take it seriously when I look at that old stuff. 
I know Stanley's Death of Gwen Stacy is supposed to be this great story and everything, but even something like that, I look back at the old that old artwork and that old coloring, and it's just so it's just so dated. I can't I can't take it seriously. Now, Matt, you're a big fan of even '60s '70s artwork. Um, yeah, I like that old style. I like the way covers used to be done. With all the word balloons, yeah, you, they would tell a story that would wasn't you, even necessarily in the inside of the book, but like, isn't that it, called this uh, true believer? Yeah, isn't that called a uh, you know, false promotion or well, bait and switch? Is it any different now with like having these bullshit like cover artists, and then you open the book and it's a totally shittier artist on the inside? Yeah, but at least it's it's not well, I feel deceiving like with a different story where like, they're telling you yeah. something with a word balloon that this is going to happen. I would think that completely doesn't day, happen. They, that it, they did tell you what was in the issue. I would think so too, but they they don't though. A lot of times they it was it was a bait and it switch. It was kind of a bastardization of what was on the inside. They made it way more exciting than Maybe. what was actually yeah. on the inside. They, well, yeah, they had to tell the story. Would you like word picture. balloons on today's comic books i love when they put word balloons like every once in a while you'll see it like it's you know kind of a throwback and i think it's so cool when they do it um see that's funny because i hate when they do that i like a nice clean cover title artwork done yeah i'm, I'm over the whole pinup style cover like that's a pinup i want a cover i want some fucking you want a, you want an interior page on the cover well maybe yeah but with a title <laughs> I don't mind the pinup style. I would prefer if the artist who did the interiors did the cover. That's in the nineties a lot of times that's, that's the way that things bullshit. were. Well, sometimes you can really tell if it's some beautifully painted <clears throat> cover, um, you know that it's not we're gonna all, be we're like all that. We're so used to that and well we're well versed enough in what artists or what artists that you know that if you look at some cover you know you're not getting that on the inside. It's so over yeah. the top now that you can you know, it it is. It's easy to tell. It's. I mean, what bothers you about the pinup style? It's just. It's, it's it, not it, indicative in any way of like what the story is going to be, what the inside's going to be. Like, think about. I don't know. Do you guys know the cover to the Superior Spider-Man number one? Um, where he's crawling out of like the shadows, and, and his fingers are digging into. What the? F I mean, yeah, it's cool. It's a pinup. It's a poster. But it's like, just like a title page, or it's like the cover of a book. Does that it's just happen, trying does that to give happen you... in the book? Is he crawling out of somewhere in the book? I don't know. No. But it's 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 just like the cover of any kind of novel. It's just giving you the sense of mm -hmm. what's going to happen. It's not telling you that he he's not being no, no, shot no. through the head or anything. I, I'm like not that. saying there's no place for that, but I feel like that's like the vast majority of covers. What what would you prefer then? I don't think that that's so crazy. It's I mean, it's, it's clearly cool the Superior Spider-Man. It, it's he's that's the character in the book, and it's just a artistic take on him crawling up a wall or something. The point I was making is that that is not in the book. It has it, in no way does that explain to you what you're going to be getting out of so this. So you book. want him to crawl up something, and in the book he doesn't crawl up anything. Well. That would be false advertising. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he crawls up something in every issue. Am I am I just not making my point? Well, uh, no, I I think we're just busting maybe, your, busting maybe your and, and maybe is maybe that's even maybe that's not a good 
um, example, not, not saying that you're not giving a good example, um, or do you have another example of, of something that was completely false to what was going on in... I mean, off the top of my head, no, I feel but like if we've we... talked about something recently that was totally not what was happening on the inside. Here's... Oh, well, here's... This is in the ballpark, and DC's been doing with, doing it with the majority of their gatefold covers. All their issue 19s this past month have had gatefold covers where something's going on on the front, and then you flip open the other half to see what the surprise is on the other half. And on the majority of these books, the surprise on the other half is a quick couple panels on the last page, and then that's it. So, you know, you get this big issue... Or you get this big gatefold cover on the last Aquaman with some frozen sea king keeping Mira and Aquaman at his mercy. And he doesn't appear in the book. Or the Batman and Robin issue with Carrie Kelly on the gatefold portion. And she only really appears in probably three panels. Yeah, and she's not even. And she's just in civilian clothes. She's not Robin. She does appear in the Robin outfit at the party. Is I'm, a, I'm is not a, busting your balls. I'm just yeah, saying Yeah, it's a Halloween costume. Yeah. But she's not, but she's not on the cover. Robin. It's like, look, Batman has a new Robin, and it's Carrie Kelly. And then on the inside, You're it's like, like oh, Damien has some, a pen pal, and it's Carrie chick Kelly. Some chick at a party yeah. dressed as Robin. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I would prefer my covers to have the artist who did the interiors to draw the cover, but I don't care about the topic of it. As long as it gives me the feel, as long as it's yeah. not completely no, 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 I get that distracting from. I mean, the the pinup style is okay. I just feel like when you go to the comic book store and you look at the rack and all the new issues, it almost looks like Sorry. every single thing, every single new book is just it's a series of pinups, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I I think I just kind of miss that like older fashioned kind of way of doing covers and, and it doesn't seem to be oh, very, you're an old very school prevalent. kind of guy, image Matt. Yes I am. You have old school sensibilities. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like the ultimate comics style of Are they still doing covers? that with the black the bars down there? I side? think so, but they're god awful ugly and I also don't like the current way that Marvel everybody both companies are doing some kind of branding on the cover, be it the Marvel Now or the New 52. The way that Marvel's doing it, they have a big red banner at the bottom of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it says Marvel Now. It The big red banner is really distracting, I think. And it's just a it's just a ugly aesthetic to each cover, whereas DC... And maybe it's just because blue is just a softer color. Yeah. Maybe it's it's blue is a color that can fit with more books than not. Paul's pulling up well, a, was... a picture of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy number one, and uh, it's it's really distracting. I think this was part of when Marvel relaunched all the Marvel Now stuff. All the books got this new design, and they wanted to they wanted to redefine what the comic book cover looked like. Normally, you get the publisher logo up in the top left hand corner. You get the creators somewhere, you know, the barcode. But Marvel wanted to kind of change everything up, so they kind of put everything at the bottom. And it's in this, it's, yeah, it's in a giant red bar. Everything looks like Marvel. You know what Marvel, you know what book's a Marvel book? 
when you go look at them in the stores. But it's it still leaves a, a lot of room for, for the he, artwork. Maybe even the Marvel on it anywhere. And, and maybe yeah, I'm right. just maybe yeah. I'm just bothered with uh, the Marvel yeah. Now logo. I think it's or maybe I'm just bothered by Marvel by the Now idea of Marvel Now. Yeah, I just don't. Maybe that's what it is that I don't like it. But it just it looks just ugly to me. I think that DC has done a way classier style where they they still have their branding. You can still tell what book's a DC book and that it's in the new 52. It just looks a little better to me. But I hate that fucking DC logo. With the the flat the sticker peeling off yeah. the oh is that terrible. I that was that was some CEO's grandson that fucking created that logo. So going back to being a total bitch and pussying out of something. The DC Bullet logo was a good fucking logo, but a bullet's too fucking violent. Same as can't Washington basketball team can't be a Washington Bullets anymore because a bullet is, you know, too violent imagery. I don't even know what you're talking change about. It. Now, me and Dom were talking about this at the shop. The Bullet logo actually... You didn't isn't even really know it was a fucking bullet. It isn't really a bullet. That's a, yeah. That's what no, we were isn't. saying. I mean, it's for those who don't know, the DC old DC logo from the eighties, nineties, and almost up into the two thousands was probably, just probably, a circle with stars in it. In my opinion, probably still the most recognizable DC logo. It's very classic, and I wish they would go back to that one. I'm not sure. I don't mind the flipping pages one. I'm not sure why people hate that one so bad. This yeah, piece of shit. I don't mind that one. It's, it's, Are you out of your mind? That's the. Not only is that the worst comic logo of all time, that might be one of the worst logos of all time. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. That's I, I don't it, mind it. It's like somebody just discovered how to use Adobe Illustrator and like, hey, we could put a gradient on that thing, make it look like a like a like a page flapping, but it looks like a sticker is peeling off of a C. Um, I think this logo gets beat up way too much. I like, it is. I like the, the logo with the star and the oval around it a lot better than this one. I was okay with that, but I didn't like the explanation that they gave whenever they changed it from the They wanted to that something one. that could be animated because Marvel did such a good job with the flipping comic book pages through the letters in but, their logo. But what they failed to realize was the flipping pages had nothing to fucking do with the logo. It had absolutely nothing to do with the actual logo. Right. Where's this bullet logo? I'm trying to it find was, it. It's, it's right it, there. It's see, that that's, a, that's a thing. It, everybody calls... Not this one. No. Go down. There it is. Wait, hold on. God damn it. You guys are ruining this. Hold on, son. This, is, this one right there. That's a bullet? That's, called, that's, that's referred that's, to yeah. as the bullet logo. It's not a bullet. It's a circle with stars on it. In what way? It's the, it's the back of the bullet. Oh. It's a... What's that called? The part of the hammer. But you wouldn't even know... You wouldn't even know... I'm not... I love that logo. Very, very iconic. Very, very classic. And it went through the ages. It was probably... I'm just guessing. Don't mess me up on this, podcasters. But I think it was 70s, 80s, 90s. It was three decades for the Bullet logo, I think. Yeah, it went through a couple, I think, iterations throughout the years. But nothing too drastic until they did the big updated version of it. Where it, they streamlined it, they went to just one star, they got rid of three other stars, and just kind of simplified it and made it more dynamic, kind of put it they a little had, bit more at an angle. I don't like the Bullet oh. logo from 1976 oh, to 2005. And that's, well, they had the Superman National Comics logo from 49 to 70. I was a fan so of that's, that's a pretty long time. I was that's a, a fan long of ass the time. logo that came after that. 
The, the, the star. star. The one star, yeah. I liked it. I liked it, too. But the current one, in no way does it even feel like a... Co- it feels like a book publisher, not a comic book publisher. I, I, I could take it or leave it. I'm not hardcore against I thought it. It looks was... like... It doesn't look... This current logo doesn't look like it would stand the test of time. We're going to see that Marvel logo, just Mar- Marvel in the red box, forever. I don't think Marvel's ever going to change that logo. And I think the, the DC Bullet logo could also have withstood the test of time. In 10 years, you're going to look at this to You're going to look at this sticker logo and be like, oh, that was designed in, 2000, in 2010. I don't know. When I look at it, I think it was designed I think in 1999. I think it's going to look very dated in 10 years. Because the Marvel logo pretty much took... Um, the logo that they had throughout the 90s, which I'm familiar of, which is uh, the Marvel Comics, and it had comics over top of the M and the Marvel, and they just kind of moved it down and put it into a, a rectangle, but it's still the same font, um, and it has a pretty consistent look to it. You know what I really miss? Are... I like that Marvel Comics logo. That it reminds cool. me of uh, reminds me of the 90s when I was a young man. <laughs> I miss the old Marvel comics that said Marvel Comics Group across the top in a, yeah. in a bar. I miss the the box in the um, the corner of the books where the it had all the little it had heads. like all the little heads. Can one of you tell me what those little heads were all about? It showed the lineup of the team, didn't it? Yeah. So if you had the X Men, it had the current X Men lineup in that book. Is that what that? Yeah, was? I think so. Yeah. And then like. It was who got decapitated in that issue, Paul. In the Spider-Man comic, it had Spider-Man like upside down, hanging by a web. I always thought that was cool. Illustrated by the person who did the interiors. Yeah. That was so cool. What logo were you talking about? Marvel Comics Group? Uh, Well, it wasn't. It was more like a masthead. It was kind of like a... Sort of like what Marvel now does, only it was flipped and it was at the top. Uh, Oh, and that's another thing. I fucking hate it, and this is more common now. It was like a seventy, the sixties, seventies, and probably eighties yeah, masthead, and that's so cool. And I love those boxes with the fig- with the who is starring in that comic on the on the left hand side. I, I really like I that. I think the problem I have with a lot of those old covers with all the all the headlines and stuff is just they were just so dramatic, and I know that was indicative of the time. But I'm looking at an old Captain Marvel cover, and on the bottom it says. Death cries, the destroyer, and all those old Marvel books had all those just they're just so dramatic. There was no room headline. There was no room for subtlety uh, on the spinner rack, man. Uh, Come on, I love that. You have to. I yeah. love that. If I made a comic book, I would want it to look like that. Uh, well, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, no. Battle Smokescreen! What do you want them to be doing in Spider-Man, Storm, and, <laughs> and, and Power Man? How uh, else are you going to draw in readers to that awful-looking book? I don't, I don't know. It's the, I, I can't do the dramatic, like, dramatic headlines. I can't do it. So, um, this kind of reminds me of another issue that I've noticed that I've had with um, more current comics. Um, what is up with a lot of publishers putting their titles at the bottom of the fucking cover? So when it's on a rack, and you know, like, the, the row of comics in front of it covers two-thirds of the you book. You mean, like, what happens to all Marvel books right now? 
Well, no. No, their titles are... St- most are at the top, but there are a lot of new books. Oh, you mean like the actual The actual title, like title. Yeah. Sometimes I thought you'll you see meant it. the, like, the... I guess the subtitle, the like... Publisher no. and... Night of the Owls or whatever. In talking to a couple of my friends that own stores, well, I've actually... doing that? Well, it's not just a publisher-wide thing. It's, like, individual books. Like um, what? Because I can't think of any any that are doing that. Though I don't go out of my way to find books that um, don't have a I would have company. I would have to be standing in front of the, shelf, the rack, and you would probably see a few. But there are many that are guilty... And from what I understand, it really actually hurts sales because people, like, just... People are dumb. Look right over <laughs> it, you know? People are dumb. So, I think that... Oh, okay. Here's sort of an example. Go. This is oh, definitely oh. an example. <laughs> you are so, I'm you sorry amped. that my enthusiasm <laughs> is standing in your way. It was the sitting up straight and the quick hand movement. I think Paul needs punches. You were all into that. I was. I found it right before we switched topics. All-new X-Men number five. Uh, the all-new X-Men logo is down at the bottom with the stupid masthead. I, I don't mind the Marvel Now logo on this one, though, in the center for some reason. It kind of looks nice. Yeah? I don't know. Yeah. kind of looks theatrical whenever it's brought away from that big... I hate that big red bar at the bottom. That's what bothers me. The big red bar. Bar. Oh, you mean when it's at the top where the title should be? It looks nice. Yeah, I guess this is blowing Matt's theory completely to shit. <laughs> what? That uh, that we don't like this. At the top instead of down here where it usually is for the Marvel. Network. And I was agreeing with you until I just completely went back on everything I said earlier. So you the like the logo being down there? Uh, it's okay. I would prefer it to be at the top. I need to, we need to get the red that red bar out. That of there. bar has I hate no. It. Place, even on the fucking comic book cover. I think they're cool looking books, but I they're cool looking covers. But I think it's partly because of the novelty of them right now. Yeah. What's gonna happen to Marvel now in five years? It's gonna be Marvel then. Marvel then. (laughs) Sorry. I was. I set that up. That was a song. And we out of the park. Both of us swinged and missed. (laughs) What do you mean we missed? Home run. It wasn't fun. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> so, circling all the way back to uh, Crisis on, on Infinite Earths and its old school artwork, it was a. It's a really non, on top of the artwork looking dated. I think it's just a really. It's kind of a convoluted hard story to read. Was that? Perez? Was that true? It, it was, was Perez. It was, you can tell yeah. by the female hairstyles in that Oh, book. everyone has a fucking perm. I fucking hate it. How do you know it's a perm? I mean, couldn't they just have curly hair? It's a Mike Brady perm. Do they actually have... Is that part of the story where they go to the salon <laughs> and get perms? Like, is it... There, yeah, that's, what, that's, what are the world? That's worlds? the crisis. <laughs> <laughs> everyone wakes up and has perms. Superman in the perm force. <laughs> Now, yeah, they, um, it's a, it's a very it's a really dated book. It, it throws so much at you. I understand at the time if you're reading DC Comics, you you get the feel for what's going on because there's all these different worlds and they're bringing them all together into one universe. But if you're just diving into that thing and reading it, it's a lot to fucking take in, and it's a thick fucking book. A lot of the heart of that story was cut out whenever they brought the Flash back. Uh, Barry Allen was killed in that <clears throat> book. 
pretty famously and stayed dead for 20-some years. And when they brought him back in Flashpoint, was it Flashpoint that they brought Flash him back? Flash Rebirth. Flash Rebirth. It kind of messed up the the weight of that story, I think. Well, that whole, that whole history doesn't exist anymore anyway. Crisis, and according to the current DC mytholo- mythology, that never happened now. Yeah. So there's no way to there's no way to lose, which is disappointing because all that history is just really interesting. It still matters to me. I don't care what the other Dio tells it, me. It matters to me too. Matt, did you ever read that? Nope. Big you surprise. Didn't. He's a man. Now. <laughs> are you a fan of George Perez's artwork? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, old I like, school. I like George Perez. He it it, it looks too old school. To me, it, it looks like it's even. even I'm a now, fan of George Perez's Hawaiian shirts. His Hawaiian are those M&M even Hawaiian shirts? Shirt? That's an M&M It's an M and M Hawaiian shirt. I'm just oh a fan God. of his look. Yeah, he always wears crazy shirts like that. What a silly guy. It's it's that it, even now. Same with Jerry Ordway. Both of their they could come in here and draw something right now, and I would be like, "You fucking liar! You drew that in the '80s." <laughs> they haven't. And I, I know people like it, and George Perez is famous for drawing, like, the big ensemble pictures with a million fucking characters. But, uh, I just I just can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, there's no way that I could read a book that looks like what George Perez does now. One of the biggest things that stands in my way of enjoying older comic books... Perms. Not perms. The coloring. The permanent... <laughs> the, the the way that those old books were colored with the traditional four color process oh, the with color. a big giant uh, dots and uh, you know everybody had blue hair and mm-hmm. uh, it it just I can't read anything like that I can maybe get into older books if they're recolored I know that the Killing Joke was recently reissued with digital colors and it looked way better than the one in the 80s. But that's that's good artwork in there anyway. That's true, but there's some good artwork um from, you know, back in the day the the Watchmen artwork I think is pretty good. Um it has some pretty shitty coloring going throughout it, but I like the the artwork in that book. The only 80s book that I've read that wasn't hard to get through because of the artwork was V for Vendetta. Yeah, 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 I liked V. I just watched that movie. Even in Watchmen, I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so fucking 80s. And it just, every page, every panel just screams, you're reading an ancient fucking book. Mm -hmm. And it pulls me out of it every step of the way. Except V for Vendetta, which, it it looks totally 80s, but I was, I was in. And that, it didn't seem to matter. Matt, have you read V for Vendetta? No. Why are you on this podcast? Have you seen the movie? Yeah. Did you okay. like the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Movie was good. Like but you don't think Natalie Portman's attractive, right? What? No, I totally do. Don't look at me. <laughs> why do you think I? Why? I don't know. I, I thought. Uh, I, I, gay thought or I, something? Thought, I thought for some reason you didn't find her attractive. Maybe it's someone else. It's definitely someone else. Um, I saw a really cool sticker today on a car. Was it an '80s sticker? It was an '80s sticker. It was from the '80s. Where's the beef? Yep. That was it. <laughs> it was a garbage pill kid. Um, it was... Uh, Did you guys have good garbage pill kids? 
because I think I think the Paul one kind of sucked. It was, I, mine I knew was what it Paul. was, but it was disappointing. Mine was P and E, and I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I have uh, on my refrigerator. I have a magnet of P and E, and that is awesome. It that sucked. Awesome. I I was called. I, the kids called me P and E and all the time, and now I'm gonna get called it until you're in my thirties by these assholes that listen to this. Let me see P and E. I can look up P and E. Oh, there was um. I don't. I Did don't, you guys collect garbage pail kids? I guess it's it was peeled Paul, and he's he's peeling his skin off. Meh. There's also a Paul Bunyan with really nasty feet. That's oh, gross. you're in the toilet. Yeah, P and E, and he's white. I know. Is he preposterous? Yeah, I couldn't even make him black. And he just filled up that entire bathroom with pee. How much did I have to drink? A lot, son. Oh, my goodness. That was a lot of chocolate milk I, that I went through. I was series number one, card number one. Really? Wait, do you know that by heart? Or yes, did you just I know that by that? heart. Wow, that's deep. I was fat mad. Fat mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Fat Matt. Breaking the scale. That's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. So, sorry Matt, we hijacked your uh, your conversation. Um, the sticker. Really? That sticker. never happens. Um, <laughs> we're going to try to do it less. Uh, so, yeah, the sticker, it was, a, it was on a car, and it was one of those, you know, like Obama Hope mm-hmm. stickers, but it said Hope, but instead it was um, V from V for Vendetta, oh, which I thought cool. was pretty sweet. That is cool. That is cool. It was an 80s sticker, see? It said what? It was like the... Were you listening? No. (laughs) I'm researching. What did it say? I'll just try to find it. It was the Obama, but it was... Uh, I dig it. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I'll try try to pay attention from here on out. There you go. Hmm... Nice. Have you guys seen the one that has Luke Skywalker that says Hope? <laughs> which I thought was I pretty have, cool. I have seen that one. Now, Matt, what um, what were some of your other favorite books from the 80s? From the 80s? Um, maybe Secret Wars? Mm, that, that was a good one. I like the Secret Wars. Secret Wars is actually pretty... Um, Substantial too, because that was uh, that was the birth of uh, Venom. Mm-hmm. Secret Wars got a lot of mileage for being a story created just to sell toys. Because they had the whole Secret Wars. Um, those were some of the best toys oh, I thought. I, I love, love those, those toys. Those were my, some of my absolute favorite toys growing up as a kid. I had Doctor Doom, Captain America, Iron Man, the Black Spider Man, the Red Spider Man. Um, they fought. I had a Daredevil one. Did you? And, and his that was a rare one. His double D on his chest would always like, like rub off. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was rubbing his double D's so much, but um, <laughs> they just answered that question. Mike Zek did the art on the Secret Wars. I think that his art still stands the test of time. I, I like this. He also did Craven the Hunter, which is another pretty solid and classic '80s comic book. Um, I thought that Craven, you mean the, or the, the Craven's Last Hunt? Yeah, sorry. And um, yeah, I, I thought that was another good one that yep. that also stands the test of time. You can read that today. Was Craven's Last Hunt an '80s book? Yes, it was. Yeah. 
The Revenge of the Sinister Six. No, I'm sorry, The Return of the Sinister Six. They ran through Amazing Spider-Man in maybe 1989. Um, Eric Larson, David Michelini wrote it. That was good. I liked it, but you sure that's 80s? 89, I think? Uh, I thought it was it. Maybe. Yeah. I'll look that up. But um, that would be a good segue into uh, some of the 90s books. Now, Paul, you weren't a fan of comic books really in the 90s. And you have a pretty strong hatred of Image Comics, so this might be a brief segment for you. But that's what, okay. You guys can go nuts. What were some of your? Um, as you mentioned before, Preacher is one of uh, '90s book that you really enjoyed. The late '90s book, right? 96. Started in '96. Mm-hmm. Still counts as a '90s books. It does. Yeah. Uh... Even even going back and reading some '90s books, I did a lot of uh, well, not I read a lot of a lot of the DC '90s stuff. The Death of Superman, it's a pretty seminal comic book moment from that decade. I went back and got all the uh, Hal Jordan is Parallax stuff. Were you aware of the Death of Superman, even though you weren't a comic book fan per se? Did you do anything whenever that happened? I have no recollection of it. Wow. He died in what ninety four? I believe so. Yeah, I was uh, ninety two. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had no idea that was happening. That was at the peak of peak of hockey mania for me. So there there wasn't a whole lot of other interest going on than just playing and watching hockey all the time. But you guys were balls deep. <clears throat> Well, yeah, I got into them in 91, or was it 92, 91, 92? Um, yeah, there was some big shit that went down in the 90s. Um, Death of Superman. Nightfall. Nightfall, um, two of my favorite comic book stories of all time, actually. Um, the actual Death of Superman story isn't very good. I haven't read it in a while. The whole, the whole... I guess omnibus starting with Death of Superman and then going into Funeral for a Friend Funeral for a Friend and then Return, Return of the of Superman. Superman the whole thing is pretty interesting but just the Death of Superman story <clears throat> it's just one gigantic fight and it's just kind of boring and none of your favorite DC heroes are in it it's Superman and it's the fucking Z-list Justice League because the Justice, Justice League of fucking shit city. Lame, <laughs> lame fucking characters in that book. Martian Manhunter's in it, but he's Bloodwind with a Y. That's really Because that, that was a cool way to spell it. That's Just, such a fucking 90s name. Justice Blood League. Wind. Justice League <clears throat> at that time was like uh, it was uh, Fire and Ice. And Guy Gardner and, and Booster, Booster Gold. Gold. Sorry, Dom. Fuck <laughs> Booster Gold. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all those really B-list um, and I, heroes. Like, I guess, like right right now, I think both. I think well, DC and Marvel keep better track of their continuity and what's going on now. But even back then, like you're reading that book, and you're like, "Where the fuck is Wonder Woman? Where's Batman? Where's the Flash? Where's Green Lantern? Superman's getting killed. Where are the real heroes?" But Hal Jordan was busy with the Parallax stuff. I Didn't Parallax come after? Um, Superman. Well, yeah, but Hal had quit at that point, which is why Guy Gardner was the Green Lantern. Hmm. So Hal Jordan wasn't around. Wonder Woman had something going on in her books. 
Nightfall was after that. No, Nightfall was, was after. But no one. There was a there was a loose reason as to why none of the real heroes were showing up to help, and it kind of made sense. But it would just sucked for Superman that he stuck with like the three of us to help him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that does kind of stink for old soups, and he had to come back with a mullet and. The black uniform. Whenever he came back with the, it was black yeah, and a, a silver. Rough, he had a rough nineties. Yeah, Superman did. And then back with the mullet, and then they they split him into two. Did you either of you Superman read Electric yeah. Superman? Yeah, I never read any of that. Well, that was a dark cover. Really? You know who was responsible for that joint, right? No. Grant Morrison uh, is responsible for Electric Superman. Well, that says it all right there. <laughs> um. A good Superman story from the um, from the nineties was the uh, the death of Clark Kent. Did you guys read that one? No. No. Who draws it? Mm, Dan, Dan Jurgens. Jurgens. I think it ran through all the Superman titles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they all had to have their own numbering too. Those nineties Superman books all had the triangle mm-hmm. with the smaller number in it. Yeah. That's when. See, that's when Superman's world got too big. That's when like he had those... four books at that point. Right, and there was all the Star... Or there was Cadmus, there was the Star Lab stuff, there was that weird alien with the horns, his name started with a Q, the fucking Newsboy Legion was the involved. Newsboy Legion? Yeah. I don't know anything were, about like, Newsboy Legion. From the 20s brought to the current time or something, I don't fucking know. That's a weird I don't even know what you're talking about. Superman told you don't need to know. <laughs> his whole supporting cast, it just got too big. It got too heavy, and I'm glad it kind of collapsed. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of that stuff. So, what was the big Marvel deal in the '90s? There are a couple things. Um, the Extinction Agenda was something that was big in X Men. They did was, a lot of um, crossovers. The Phoenix stuff was '80s. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they did <clears throat> the Fall of the Mutants, which that might have been a little bit '80s. But then they went into uh, Extinction Agenda. Um, they relaunched all of the X-Men books and mm-hmm. at that time re-crippled Professor Xavier who had been walking around. That dude's spine gets is shattered he, more fucking times. Is he alive or dead right now? He's dead right now. And he's been dead for a while. N- not really. Scott Summers killed him last year. So mm. in comic book time, that's like two weeks ago. <laughs> but And um, Marvel Now time. Yeah. Um, all the Spider-Man books in the 90s, they didn't necessarily have a huge... Um, like there wasn't some seminal moment that you could point um, to. The there were two. Ben O'Reilly um, stuff. Yeah, the Clone Saga and. Oh, I was talking good stuff, but um, Maximum Carnage would probably. Be Yikes! Was that the Maximum Carnage. Carnage. I think so. Carnage was introduced in Amazing Spider-Man, uh, probably a year before Maximum Carnage. It was okay. a three-part story in Amazing okay. Spider-Man. And then Maximum Carnage was long though. Oh, it was every book on Earth was Maximum Carnage. Infinity Gauntlet was another Marvel thing. Yeah, yeah. Infinity Gauntlet. It looks so eighties though. That was George Perez. No, 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 no. Was it? Wasn't it Ron Lim? Both of those guys. Okay, that explains it. And um, the Infinity War, which then the Infinity Crusade. Oh, I I was out by the Crusade. (laughs) (laughs) I. yeah, I read the Infinity Gauntlet and then the Infinity War, and then by the time Crusade came out, I didn't get it, but I recently went and I bought the trade paperback. I just haven't 
read it yet because I wanted yeah. to go back and reread the other two and knowing me I, I haven't gotten moratorium to it. on all reading until you are caught up on The Walking Dead They're the only book you're allowed to read is The Walking Dead <laughs> we will come over to your house and lock down all and of read, your books and read it to me <laughs> <laughs> You guys will take turns each you know night. I'll have to sit on your lap. And we'll do the, and we'll do the voices. <laughs> I'll do Michonne. <laughs> you have to do Tyrese, too. I know. And Morgan. Let me hear your Tyrese. I don't know any of his lines right off the top of my head. Do you know any Tyrese lines? I don't think he has like a good catchphrase. No. no, he doesn't really. He probably said, hey, Rick, at he one said, point. He said, hey, Rick, pass me that chocolate milk over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the narration I want. I want that voice to do all of the voices in the book. That's what I want Carl to sound like. <laughs> I was about to spoil something. <laughs> Don't do that. I won't. You need to read. Wouldn't be spoiled if someone would read their books. Some of the other things in the nineties, um, there was there were just a lot. There weren't a ton of great like um, arcs like. That I could say. But um, we'll get back into that in a little bit here. Um, Late night pizza party. Which is pretty much just going to consist of another glass of Pepsi. I'm going to the bathroom. We'll be right back. the foundation of comic books. I, I don't want to be too dramatic, but I really think that You don't want to did. be dramatic like an old 70s Spider-Man cover. <laughs> <laughs> Image comics. Groundbreaking. Um, yeah, it, it, it changed um, the way that... It changed the way that Comic-Con was, I want to say. It changed the way that people felt about smaller publishers. It changed the way that people felt about the big two and how invulnerable they had been for... You know, the entire time that comics had existed, it, it had really been those two companies going to battle. And then out of nowhere comes this upstart company formed by seven artists 
um, who couldn't write for shit, <laughs> but made really awesome looking books and challenged on the sales chart and beat the big two for the majority of the late 90s, I would say. So what did the what did your basic image cover look like? Um, lots of chains, lots of blood, lots of awesome. Was, it was like if you spilled the, Mountain Dew all over a comic extreme. book. It was extreme. And they'd even make companies called Extreme Comics. <laughs> but it was spelled X-T-R-E-M-E. X-Treme. Yeah, X-Treme, the French company. <laughs> But what, like, how was the cover set up? Did they have the crazy subheads? Did they have shit on the bottom? No, they had the they had the classic image I on the in the top corner. The letter I, not the, the scene I. Correct. The letter oh, the I. Dickhead. You know what the Just image? Just make it short. You I know what the is. image. Comic. These listeners don't necessarily. You know, that know what the image I logo looks like? CBS logo. Oh shit! You're right. It had the peacock. And it said image underneath. <laughs> now it had uh, it had an eye uh, logo with the characters' heads in it more often than not. Sort of um, an updated version of how Marvel did the little teeny tiny heads or Spider-Man hanging upside down. Matt said, "Go fuck yourself." I um, heard it in his tone. Um, you don't know like Spawn head in Spawn's head and think of Spawn number one with his head and it was kind of cut. Because of the period mm-hmm. in the or the dot in the eye, mm-hmm. but they were they didn't have any big banners or anything like that. Um, it was just you know mast had a title and then um, in the corner. Oh yeah. And m- m- the most of the books I want to say most of the books what happened most of the books had that um, that logo. Now Matt, what was um, you were a big image fan. Are you in currently still are because yeah. that's why you're Image Bat. Yeah, I'm still an Image fan. My favorite book currently comes from Image Comics. Wait, before we get into that, what was your favorite '90s Image book? Savage Dragon. Oh, Stupid. Right. Did you not know that? <laughs> I did, but I is the, this not episode nine of the podcast? I, I did know that, but for the podcast listeners, the new listeners that mm. have just joined us, Savage Dragon was my favorite, and it was my first Image book. Um, but yeah, that book grabbed me and did not let me go. I was, I was so into it. Um, and I didn't even know about Image. Image started, and... Now, how did, this blows my fucking mind that you didn't know about Image. Did you not read, like, Comic Shop News or previews? You weren't that nerdy? No. No Wizard? So, you went, so, Ian. Yes. You were going in to buy comics... And there was buzz that this was coming. Yeah, yeah. But I I knew Matt, you went into the shop, and one day there I were wasn't. Just, there were just other books. I wasn't even buying them at a shop yet. I was still getting them off the spinner rack at the bookshelf. Well, so then you uh, you went there, and there just happened to be other books. There was one issue. There but was you one didn't image know, like, comic. This is a big new publisher. I exactly. I hadn't. I didn't remember seeing Spawn. I didn't see Youngblood. This breaks my heart that you weren't Savage that Dragon. you weren't in on this whenever that you didn't realize that 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 image was going on. No, or I only, it was coming. I only understood what it was once once I picked up Savage Dragon uh, number one, and then you know maybe you read some ads in the back of the book. And you're like, hey, this isn't a Marvel book. Yeah, you're like, 
And and then the names were kind of familiar. Like, oh shit, I think that guy you, used to work for Marvel. You didn't notice that on all your Marvel books that the artist had all left? It is 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 the early nineties when publishers started putting the creators' names on the covers? Did Image have a hand in that? Because um, I feel like if you go back and Image, read a lot of back issues, Image you don't know who did the book. Image didn't do that on the covers. What uh, they did do... Mm, at the top there? Mm, a little bit. That's, it says Jim Lee uh, above Wildcats. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but isn't, the, isn't that part of the title? It's Jim Lee's Wildcats. No, no, no. In, no, it, that is kind of a credit there. But ordinarily... They don't put the creator's names like the first issue of Savage Dragon had Eric Larson's name on the cover, but ordinarily it didn't have the creator's names listed on the cover. Um, what they did do, which was pretty new to comics, was they kind of they turned the interior uh, cover page uh, into a title page. So you got rid of all like that stuff like out of the actual like comic book panels. It had a theatrical presentation. Yeah, it did, which I loved at first, but have since kind of like changed my opinion of. I kind of like it being mixed in to the panels the way that it's kind of mainly currently done. It speaks to your old school sensibilities. Yeah, I guess it does. But Image still to this day, I believe, treats that interior cover as a uh, credits page. I don't think they've deviated since uh, 91 or 92 when they started. Um. DC does not do that. DC is just an ad on the cover all the time. Yep. I think sometimes it would be nice to have a recap page like Marvel does. Yeah, yeah. Marvel does. I don't know. That image in a way a that kind of annoys the shit out of Why? me. Um I I'm a regular comic reader. I don't need to be recapped. I'm a regular comic reader, but you know yourself if there's some books where every month you pick it up and you're like, Where the fuck am I? It, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, then that How speaks to the I mean, you can quality of it that out, book. Though. It's not it's not necessary, I don't think. I like it. I I don't if, you don't have to fucking read it if you don't need recapped, but it's cool that it's there. That's true. I don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> but um getting back to not knowing that image was coming up. This yeah. this is shaking my world. <laughs> um I can't I can't speak more to this that uh I I was a um a reader of Wizard Comics. I read you know how when you're going Wizard th- Magazine, right? Wizard Magazine, I'm sorry. Wizard Magazine, Comic Shop News, um I think Previews was still around back then. Previews is still around. Yeah. Well I think what he meant was well, it was it was it started back yeah, then. Yeah, I think it Previews existed was, at that point. Um and in Comic Shop I know in Comic Shop News they talked about it all the time. I just knew from the fact that Something was up because all of the creators on all the books that I read had left Marvel because I was a big Marvel fan. So all of a sudden, Jim Lee was gone. Todd McFarlane was gone. Rob Liefeld was gone. Um, Mark Silvestri was gone. I didn't read The Guardians of the Galaxy. So who gave a shit who was drawing that? That's Jim, helpful. Jim Valentino, I think, was his name. is his name. But all these creators left and they were replaced by far less superior artists they're they're pretty pretty substantial hacks in comparison to the top comic book artist of that time also do you remember in the interiors of comic books you used to have um you could order comic books 
yeah. through the mail. Yeah. And I remember there being ads for image comic books in there and that was another thing that it, it said real big you know jim lee's wildcats and i and probably just you just breeze right through because i i used to order comic books from those i would go through there and you'd look and see if this amazing spider-man was available and you rip out the little thing and do all that so all i did was go to the spinner rack whatever yeah. they had that was what i picked from so i knew probably um it might have been a year in advance. It might have been seven months, somewhere around wow. there. There was a lead-in for me, and I remember getting fucking amped for Spawn. I remember getting super excited. I remember... Before Spawn 1? Be- before one. Spawn 1. Because you knew Todd McFarlane was drawing it, or you knew what it was going to be about? I knew what that Todd McFarlane was going to rejoin comic books where he had been gone for uh, several months. And I knew that Over all the... Year. All the other creators were going to come back, and they were going to have these new comic books. And they, I also knew from Wizard that they were no longer going to have the comic authority code, which meant that they could swear, you there could be like, nudity, there could be blood. You were like a rabid dog chained in the yard waiting to get out. I, I can't, I can't stress anymore. I was fucking excited. I remember, I remember to this day going into the fan of the attic. And seeing Spawn number one, and I picked up two of it. I think that might have been one of the first books that I picked up two of. And I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, so... I did that for the death of Superman. Did you? But we had to tell him one was for my brother, because they're only letting you get one. Did you open one and wear the armband? Well, I don't know if I wore the armband. Yeah. But, like, I, I hung the poster. This... Paul, do you you don't know about this, do you? Yeah, I know I know about it just because it came I read up on it. With so much shit, it was like two fifty. It came poly bag, which came, is still cheaper than a comic right now. It came with the comic book. It came with a poster, like a full size folded up poster. At twenty four by thirty six. Yeah, it came with a freaking armband that had like a red foil, like Superman stamp, the um, hope symbol. The hope, yeah, Superman <laughs> hope symbol. It had like a fake newspaper clipping of the the death of mm-hmm. Superman from the Daily Planet. Uh, and I want to say Google. there was oh stamps or st- stamps, right? It came. I think with it was stamps. stamps. I think it was stamps. Holy like, fucking shit! I am. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember. I didn't personally buy it. My parents, my mom and dad, went out to the store. It was, you know, Wednesday. My mom and dad went to the Phantom that Wednesday because they knew that there was a big rush on this comic book. And they went out and they bought me not only the the um, black polybag, but also the newsstand the new edition. Stand edition, yeah. And so I have That's both. the one with the, the stick in the ground with the Superman fragment of the cape. Yes, fluttering off of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so when I came That's home from cover. when I came home from school that day, I was like, okay, well now we have to go. We have to go to the Phantom. I have to get you know Death Superman. And they're like, no, we already got it f- for you. And I I was able to read it. And wow, they like, were on top. Of and shit. I was like, thank God Pop. they killed this whack ass character. <laughs> Pop Sharpley making it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, mom. shout out to to Mama Sharpley too. She was there too. <laughs> My mom had to take me, and I went with her and. They would only let us get one, but we said, can we get one for, for uh, his brother? Which is bullshit. They were both for me, but I wanted to open one. So, haha, collector's world. Told you. <laughs> but, yeah, so so Image Comic Books, I was really excited. I remember um, I, I that 
Youngblood, which had came out first. Did you get that when that first came I out? I didn't, but I had to order it. So my copy of Youngblood is a second print. It has this gold cover, cool. and it's it's a second it's edition. More rare. I'm pro- it's probably worth some money. Um, damn, is it a shitty comic book? I read it recently, <laughs> and it is horrible. Youngblood, uh, since they kind of like um, resurrected that title. Mm-hmm. They went back and they took, I believe, the first six issues of it, and they re-released it as a hardcover collected edition, recolored digitally, um, and completely rescripted it. That's probably good. But you still, no matter how pretty the colors are <laughs> and how different the word balloons are, those feet are still out of proportion. <laughs> Shaft. Still fought some dudes in a mall. Like, in the first four pages, he fought some dudes with bucket helmets in, like, the Mall of America. Fights should never happen in the mall? Ah, uh, he, he was just, like, buying his Rob Liefeld denim jeans, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then these dudes come out of nowhere. You have to read do you remember? Do you remember in um, the early Savage Dragons when... Um, Savage Dragon goes to the shopping mall where all those bad guys were, and he, like, that's when he kind of got the shit beat out of him. He got all cut up and mm-hmm. everything, and he fainted. That was in a shopping mall. You can fight in shopping malls. That was a pretty badass sequence. Was it the Century 3 mall? Yes, it was. One point. one part about on the Image Comic Books. That's why there's nothing going on up there. <laughs> Savage Dragon destroyed it. Yep. There was a, a lot of sex in these comic books. There were, um, as you just implied, mentioned, implied. Bl- blood. Well, eh, yeah, I mean, I guess for a 12-year-old Ian Sharpley, because Rapture's giant boobs were blowing my mind. So, <laughs> I, mean, I don't remember ever seeing nipples or penetration. in. Maybe not nipples and penetration, but... There was certainly some uh, some implied nudity. There was implied... But, it, but we're talking about the innocence of the 90s and <clears throat> our young, fragile minds and what the comics code prevented us from seeing um, in our standard comic books, which True. I thought was earth-shattering. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> there was a noticeable difference between Image Comics and the rest. There were Mainly because of violence, more than sex, I think. And, and then the production value of the covers also was something that was different. The pages were glossy. The the the, the um, pages. Image was the first to introduce digital coloring as well. Yep. That's all you got. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Let's. If you podcasters have any uh, feedback, all, we'd all like of, to hear it on that. All, all of these wondrous things that Image Comics did. The 90s were still not the golden age of comic books. For me and Ian, anyway. Right, the golden age was the golden age, I believe. No, no, those books were shitty. I don't care. Uh, Sorry, podcasters the, and Matt. They they weren't. The real good. golden age. Is now. Is now. Marvel now? Not well, maybe Marvel not, now. Maybe, maybe not, not right now. now. I think we're past. past the golden age. The golden age what is like now? 2000s. Then. What about then? It's happening right now. Yeah, I wouldn't say now is is a golden. I would say from from two thousand until maybe even two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, I would consider. I'm going to cut that last year right off the decade. I got into comic (laughs) books at the I think at the best time possible. 
in the nineties, a lot of the comic books were artist driven because of what happened with Image. It was mainly artist driven. The writers had to take a backseat. In the two thousands, I think that as the, as the comic book industry, the bubble kind of burst. They had to find a way to take back and, and win back some of their hardcore fans. And the way they did that was put writers who love the characters in control of the books. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a much better balance right now between writers and artists. There seems like there's a lot of equal billing, and it's not like one or the other really carrying the field. I don't feel like there's superstar artists today like there was in the 90s. There are, but they don't fucking do anything. Your superstar artists can get by doing a couple covers a year, and that's all you see from them. Okay. You don't think? Uh, yeah, no. What superstar artist is on a regular book? Jim Lee was. I know he's not now. He will be again. But he will be again. Jim Lee, I think, is a draw just with his name. You put Jim Lee's name on a comic book, people are going to buy it. Matt, you're shaking your head over there. Um... Yeah, why was I shaking my head? Because I said there are no superstar artists on a regular book. And your look said, you, sir, are full of shit. Well, I mean, who's a superstar artist now? Well, no one's going to be the draw. Steve McNevin is on Guardians of the Galaxy. I know it's only two in. I'd say guys like McNevin, Frank Cho, and Jim Lee. Frank Cho's on... um, But you have guys, well, I guess John Cassidy. He, He draws a regular book. I, I think those are all very good artists, but I don't think of them, think of them as superstar artists. But now, why would you but not they're the think current superstars? The the talent pool may be more diluted right now, but think? they are the they're the current superstars. You know, Sidney Crosby may not be as good as Mario Lemieux, but he's still the current superstar. You think it's diluted from like five or six years ago, or do you think <clears throat> it's diluted from the nineties? It's, well, it's it's definitely diluted from the nineties because the, I mean, but there you, are a lot of Big names, yeah. Back then, mm-hmm. J. Scott Campbell, Michael Turner, rest his soul, uh, McFarlane, Larson, Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee. Jim Lee. Um, why, why now, Matt? Why would you disagree that these artists are are not superstar artists? Um, well, I haven't really thought about it, but I don't get like excited about. A comic book if Steve McNiven's drawing it like that it's more See, like I, a, I do I'm, I'm happy that McNiven's doing so I got interrupted again yeah I'm just kidding sort of not really I know so I'm, let I'm me sorry. finish my point if I can even remember it um you don't get excited for Steve I don't, McNiven yeah like when I pick up Guardians of the Galaxy it's more of a bonus that oh cool <clears throat> Steve McNiven's drawing this I don't go out and buy that book because Steve McNiven is drawing it whereas like when Todd McFarlane drew the comic book, I'm buying that because it's McFarlane. So there's no book right now that you buy because you like an artist? Uh, the un- Uncanny X-Force. Drawn um, by? Ron Garney. But he's not a superstar artist. He's just he's somebody a, that your I favorite. like. Well, uh, he's up there. He's up there. Um, Jim Lee is like the, the superstar artist. The, the only one that I can think of. The other guy, but he doesn't really do interiors anymore, would be... Um, well, J. Scott Campbell, I would put him up there. And then the other guy is uh, Alex Ross. That's a superstar. See, I think he falls into strictly cover artist. I don't think he ever 
I mean, I know he did the Marvel's interiors and he did the just was it Injustice? Yeah. The series, but I don't know Kingdom Come. I don't know. I don't I don't classify him cuz he's not he wasn't regular enough to fall into that. Right. I don't. Yeah, think. everything that he ever did was kind of a finite series mm-hmm. that essentially he could get far out enough like ahead of it so that way it could come out with some kind of regularity. Excellent artist, but I don't think he fits into the same um, frame as this. But, like, I mean, who who do you buy a, a book? What book do you buy because of the artist now? I feel like that's just not... Uh, I would buy an Ivan Reyes book okay. because he would be on it. I'd give it a go. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to put him on Vibe or something, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> but I would, I'd buy it because I like his art. You know what? I, I, I don't even think I can say that. I love I love his work, but if it's not a good if it's not a good team all around, if it's mm-hmm. not a good writer with him, it's going to be the total product. I mean, Ian, if Todd McFarlane decided he was going to come back and he was going to draw a Rob Liefeld written book, well, I was damn yeah, I would. <laughs> you would, yeah. I would. But you I know totally how bad would. that book's gonna be. Right. Totally but you would. get my point. You... I, I can't. I, I can't sit here and lie to these podcasters. I don't even think he's all that great. McFarland is an artist. Yeah, um, he time. is. He probably but be punched. I mean, he he I, is. I don't. I think his his face is a real disproportionate. Like they're just. I think they're too it's cartoony a, for me. It's a style, brother. I know. It, I know it's a style, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Like his lips are always like kind of real. His mouths are kind of fishy. That's how we like them, fishy mouth. Yeah, I, I don't know. Fish mouth. I've never. I like. I'll look at some Jim Lee shit. Who's an artist from that era and be like, damn, that's that's a good that's a good drawing. Because Jim... I'll look at McFarland stuff and I'm just like, yeah. McFarland. That's ha- basically the way I am with Jim Lee. <clears throat> oh, Jim Lee's drawing it. Okay, I'll get it. Now the one where I couldn't do it anymore was his horrible. Um, all-Star Cats. Batman. It was that oh, his fault that at his fault. all, or was that all Frank Miller? It was all Frank and Miller. And after a while, did that book not get fucking awesome because it was so ridiculous? Because I think it did. I started buying it just to laugh my ass off. I thought it was good. He's the goddamn Batman. Fuck yes. That, that's what did it. That When Batman says, I'm the goddamn Batman, that's what tipped the scales Yeah. for that book. Doesn't he fuck Wonder Woman in one of those issues or something? Black, uh, he fucks Black Canary. He or? fucks Black Canary like after she was in a bar fight on a pier. Yeah, <laughs> it's real weird. And they I captured Green Lantern in a room where everything's painted yellow. I thought that was cool. Everything was painted yellow, so his stupid ass ring couldn't work. And he was drinking uh, lemonade. <laughs> I thought that shit glass. was. It was. It was so. It that was shit so was ridiculous. so insane. It was funny. It was. I liked it. So it was so ridiculous. It looked great. It was a great looking book. But what other artists are there now? I like Terry Dodson. I don't know if that um, fits. Clo- yeah, now these are all artists. I totally agree. Terry Dodson, great artist. Yeah. But like, but I, you he mu- draws the Defenders, right? Yeah. But you're not going to get the Defenders because Terry Dodson. Exactly. I'll tell you what. I did get three issues of it just because Terry Dodson was on it. Honestly, I did. And it sucked. So I dropped <laughs> it. So. Yeah. But that would be somebody that I would... Um, Frank Cho. David, I'm getting Savage Dragon David or Finch. Savage um, Savage Wolverine. Um, Wolverine because Frank Cho is drawing it. David yeah. Finch. 
Um, I do get Justice League America because David Finch draws it, and I like. I know you don't like it because it's too dirty. Uh, yeah, it's like a David Finch always felt like a really dirty Jim Lee to me. Um, yeah, I I think David Finch is a draw. I think he's a he's, superstar. He's actually artist. almost a little bit of a cross between Liefeld and Jim Lee. Yeah. Really? Like his faces are very Liefeld. They're very squinty eyes. Yeah, and, mm. and they all kind of okay. look exactly the same. Okay, I, well, I mean, fine. that's Jim Lee's thing. Oh, that is Jim Lee's thing, too, yeah. So. But that was the uh, 2000s, ladies and gentlemen. Was it? I've seen it was. Was there, was there a seminal 2000s moment? Oh, well, there are a few. Yeah, there's a few. The introduction of the Ultimate Universe. The introduction of the Ultimate Universe in in two thousand was was pretty gigantic. Is, is Mark Bagley a superstar artist? No. Nope. Definitive no. Okay, just asking. I mean, I know there's Next. like just we we could make a list like who's who's a superstar artist. We should make a list because um, there's there's good and great Capullo. Superstar. No good. I don't think well. He's he's fucking close to superstar. He but is, he I is, think he some people really might close. get Batman. I know what you know. Because Greg Capullo, he, I think he's if, close. If he if we put him in the superstar, really if we put him We're in the superstar def- category, he's like the like worst one. Mm. We're gonna have to define what we think a superstar artist is, and well, then I go think through. Would you buy the book? Just because that person's drawing, I bought. I think Adam Hughes is a superstar artist. I yeah. bought. He's almost he's almost cover artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost. He but he came shit. back he to do shit Doc- just as infrequently as Alex Ross. Does. He he came back to do um, Doctor Manhattan, the Watchmen series. It wasn't. Yeah. It had some oh, moments that were not. Yeah, he, he drew the interiors and the covers, and um, the interiors were a little left a little, you know. I would they, buy, they weren't all that great. But I would buy a Bruce Tim comic. I would buy. Oh fuck! I would buy a Bruce Tim comic. I bought. Um, I bought Crazy Love on um, Mad, Mad Love. Love. Mad Love. Sorry. And then there oh, was get your shit together. There was a three parter. So show prep. Uh, I'm so sorry. I didn't do any show prep this time. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Paul Dini wrote it and uh, Bruce Tim drew it. Mm-hmm. It was a three parter with um, Harley Quinn and, and Poison Ivy. You know yep. what I'm talking about? I forget what that was called. I own it. I don't know what it was called. Yeah. Was it Mad Love? No. No, Mad Love's the Harley Joker story. I got um, Gotham City Sirens. With uh, Guillaume March. Guillaume March. No, no, it was uh, it was Bruce Tim style. Maybe it wasn't called Gotham City Sirens. Or girl, Gotham. Gotham I think Girls? it might have just some Gotham Girls. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's what it, it that's was. That's the three part. Sirens was the one that we talked about last week. Hmm. Uh, porno. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amanda Connor, superstar artist. She's really good. Mm-hmm. But I, not a superstar. You know what? I don't think I've ever read a book that Amanda Connor has drawn. What is Nicola, Nicola Scott. Nicola, that's what I was trying to think of Nicola Scott. I Nicola Scott. Um, Man, her fucking Secret Six issues were so good. She currently is on Earth 2. Which is why I don't mm, get it because it's too book. stupid. It's so bad. Um, what is Amanda Connor doing now? She was doing Power Girl. I don't know what she's she, doing now, that was like two years ago. Um, the the last thing that she was doing was the Silk Scepter. Spectre. Spectre. I'm wow, sorry. What is wrong it's, with you? It's, it's been a long day. I've been up since six. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Um, Silk Spectre. 
um, in the Watchmen, and that was really great. Um, yeah. Great. Um, even down to the fucking colorist. Those it was Phil, Phil Notto, the artist. Uh, he's he's really good. He he did he was the colorist on that thing. I, I want to say for some issues, hmm. pretty it was it's a great book. So that's what she was doing. Those Watchmen titles right now have so many great artists on them. I think they're, I think they're over now. Good because I wasn't really into the idea of all these Jay Lee people stories. Jay Lee's Jay here. Here's some shit I just read about today. Jay Lee is doing Superman Batman that's coming out later in the summer with uh, writer Greg Pak from Hulk fame. And it's going to be Superman and Batman from the current DCU, but at some point in this in this arc, and they don't know how long it's going to go, they're going they're going to go to Earth Two and meet the Earth Two Superman and Batman who are older and more experienced. And I was I was down with this book until I read about that, and now I think it's kind of goofy. What do you have like against you like that? What do you have against Earth Two? He loves it. He's like, oh, when's that come out? <laughs> Well, as long as Earth 2 is He's tired. He doesn't know what he's up. saying. <laughs> um, Jay Lee's a really good artist. I don't know how he's going to work for Superman. He does stuff like the Dark Tower really good. Uh, but I've seen some of his... Uh, like, he did a couple Ultimate Fantastic Four issues. That's right. And when he does superhero stuff, it just comes off kind of weird. He did a series called um, Hell... Hell... Fuck. What the fuck was it called? From hell? No. Was... Hellblazer? No. Was hell and Wheel? Hellfire? That was really sexy. Hellfire? No, that's not right either. To I... hell with it all? I'll look it up. We don't know. Drag me to hell? So. Hell shock. Oh. I don't know what that is. Pretty looking book. I don't remember what that Image was book, about. Image right? Mm-hmm. Of course it is. So do we want to talk a little on what you've been reading? I think we should. Ian, you have uh, quite a hefty volume over there. Why don't you tell us what you've been reading? At Free Comic Book Day, the other trade that I bought was uh, Day Tripper. It is a book about... It's, it's about... A writer who is he writes um, obituaries, and each story takes place in a uh, important day in his life, and it goes all throughout his life, and it skips around and jumps around. He's an old man in one, he's a young boy in another, but at the end of each tale, he dies, and. It's a really kind of... It's not a superhero book. He doesn't die by getting hit with... Paul has already um, checked out. No, I know. He doesn't... He, <laughs> you know, nothing... It's it's a, it's a real kind of um, really softly written, real quiet kind of book. Um, real introspective. I like it uh, already. It, <laughs> Let me know when you're done. It... Uh, <laughs> It uh, it focuses a lot on his family and the choices that he makes and the things that he could or could not do. And uh, as the book goes through, you see some of um, you know how some of his friends turn on him and um, just uh, some of the different ways that his life could have went in one direction. And then in the next story, he makes a different choice and it changes uh, drastically all the things that happen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, and like I said, it jumps around sort of Pulp Fiction style, so you're not reading one story. It's it's just a different bunch of different pieces that when all does, fit together. When does he get superpowers? He never gets superpowers, unfortunately. In this volume. In this volume. Well, I only... So maybe there's hope. I've only read it halfway through. I haven't finished it quite yet. But he does... He will never get superpowers. I can guarantee you Can that. you hurry up and finish that tonight so I can borrow it? Uh, I'll bring no. it... I will bring it next time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read that, and then I'll read The Walking Dead. No. no? Okay. But, um... Yeah, I, uh, I would recommend this book That's to awesome. you, Matt. So, as soon as I'm done... He reads The Walking Dead. I think it looks really good. I think the art's nice. Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Um, I want to say that Gabriel... Uh, did they do Umbrella yeah. Academy? Yeah, Possibly. I think they were involved in Umbrella Academy. That's another That's really, a really good book. great book. Mm-hmm. If you like My Chemical Romance... Dude. I've read that, and I've forgotten it. Like, it didn't... I liked attention. it. It had sort of like a Hellboy-ish feel to it. it. The art was Hellboy-ish. It was yeah. Magnolia-ish. Yes. So, yeah, Day Tripper, Vertigo book. Vertigo is one of my favorite imprints. So I would recommend Day Tripper. Looks rad. When, when is that from? What year? Good question. Thank you. Excellent question. Appreciate that. Uh, it looks uh, early 2000s. Two thousand and eleven. Oh, late two thousand. Not even early 2010s. Have either of you guys read Unwritten? No. No. I have not either, but I want to. And I was hoping that maybe one of you could tell me a little bit more about it. Matt, I think we really need to pare down your wants to read. To just Walking Dead. Yes. What um what where did you hear about Unwritten? I've seen it like on the shelf and I've like read very little about it, but I I've What does it look like? Like Um It kinda reminds me just I've read it, but it kinda reminds me of like Books of Magic with um that what's that kid's name? Tim Hunter. Tim Hunter. Um it it appears to have that sense of like visual to it I have not read Unwritten Books of Magic was kind of weird I did not read that either what is that? I expect, it's uh, it's really similar to Harry Potter but it's written by Neil Gaiman it's, it takes place in the DC universe but the only recognizable DC character in it is Zatanna this kid Tim Hunter gets these magical powers and there's four different parts of the trade Tim Hunter from Justice League Dark that kid? yeah that kid and he's taken the book's broken up into four stories and each story there's some different magical character from the DC universe that takes him through each of these different phases but Zatanna's the only recognizable one I I don't even remember the other guys there's some guy with red sunglasses I think it was it was fine Uh, I know Neil Gaiman gets a lot of love for being a great writer but I'm kind of I haven't read anything by him that I've been like, oh my god, this is this is brilliant. Uh, the Externals. Or the e- Eternals. Eternals. Those, yeah, those, those are struggling. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm really sorry, podcasters. The Eternals was okay. Paul. What Matt. you been reading, buddy? 
I've been reading Dracula. The comic book? The Bram Stoker novel. The Marvel comic from the... The Tomb of Dracula? The Tomb of Dracula. None of the above. Hmm. I've been reading real books, you fucking nerds. Hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> I think there's a like Is literature this... podcast down the hall. I think so too. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's that's what I've been reading. It's it's genre. Fine, I won't talk about it. No, no whatever. No, Matt, what have you been reading? No, no, talk about it. Well, now that I've been put in my place, I don't want to talk no, about did it. Did we say anything? Matt kind of did. What did I say? That there's a literary podcast down the street. That was fucking funny, though. <laughs> Don't be so sensitive. Tell us about the roots of the horror genre. What's really interesting about reading this Dracula book, the Dracula, is that there is no, there was no previous Dracula before it. So this is, this is all. This is your granddaddy's Dracula is what you're trying to say. This is your, yeah, this is your granddaddy's Dracula. And there's no... There's this no, is the OD. Every, everything's original. So going into these, going into this, it's the OD. Going into this book, reading it, like, this is the first time anyone has ever read this stuff. Like, all of these ideas were completely brand new when this was written. That part of reading it is really cool. Is this the first vampire, or was were there other vampires? I think Dracula's the first one. This is the first Dracula story. Like, all of all of the classic Dracula mythology has stemmed from this book. Right. But isn't Dracula the first vampire? Were there other That's what they told me in Blade 3. Don't lie to me. You know, they're remaking that. Marvel's planning on remaking I did Blade. read that today. Um... Who's um, gonna play Blade? Do you mean in the in oh. in the story there were No 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 in, in real in life. Real what, life. what year was Dracula written? Eighteen ninety seven. In eighteen ninety six, had there been any stories about vampires? I'm sure there have been different you know, different countries, you know, folklore mm-hmm. that dealt with, you know, but, that type of thing. But Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of defined what a vampire is which is yeah when when you think of vampire withstood the test of time for the last century plus okay yeah and even even with the twilight vampires you know a lot of the stuff they do is based on what bram stoker did for the first time like sparkling in the sunlight not so much that stuff but moping around study hall yeah drinking blood and not sleeping and can't really go out in the daylight but that that part of it's really cool what sucks about it is it's kind of boring there's a lot of backstory. How many pages is it? He really likes to set the mood. It's really thick. We can. Holy oh, <laughs> shit! No. We can see it in the other room from here. Wow! Look at those it's red good, pages. It's a good because they were they were printed in blood. The thickness of that book is probably the scariest thing about it. <laughs> it's it's kind of slow. He really likes to set the tone for the characters and and the mood. He goes on and on about this fucking storm and his village in the beginning of the book and I'm like holy fucking shit and on top of that it's written in you know 1800s English so it's it's hard to get that kind of speak in your head and it's hard to get into a real flow with it you could you should mix that with like Pittsburghese you don't and think read so it like Matt? that I just I'm fascinated that you're doing this to yourself well you did it to yourself with Alice in Wonderland too I did. That or, was the um, big, big what do they call it? Sadomasochism? 
Well, these are these are big seminal works of literature that mm-hmm. I feel like I should read at some point. You should read the Why first you read arc them? of Spawn, and that's a big seminal. If you give it to me, I I will read it. Just like I feel like I should sit down and watch The Godfather someday because it gets same with Citizen Kane and Apocalypse Now because they get all this hype. They're things that I I want to experience. I want to know what these things are really like. I don't want to just hear Bram Stoker's Dracula is the definitive Dracula story. I want to get into it. I want to know why. Would you say so far that it is the definitive Dracula story? Uh, So far. Or vampire story? So far. I think I'm only... I, I don't even think I'm a quarter... Of the way into it. When yet. did you start it? Um, a couple weeks ago. But I, we've been doing podcasts. I've been drawing comic strips. I've been reading weekly comics. So I, I dip into it here and there. I haven't really sat down and pounded it out for like a fucking day, like I did with uh, Deathly Hallows when it came out. God, Harry Potter. I don't know. Snooze fast. So Matt. I hate Harry Potter. Matt, you look I like know you love it. You look like you're fading fast over there. Uh, well, yeah. Why don't you tell us what you've been reading real fast, and then we'll then we'll screw this pooch. I've been reading. Um, let me get it here. I believe this is my first Marvel book that that I've been reading since we started doing the podcast. Um, really? Uh, I don't think I've talked about any other oh. titles. Um, this is the Avenging Spider-Man. It's number nineteen. Uh, written by what's his name, Chris Christopher Yost. Yost. Yeah. What? Yost. Yost. I'm going with Yost. Okay. Um, artist uh, is Marco. <laughs> How the fuck do you say his name? I can't pronounce that. Chichetto. Chichito. Chichito. Cheetos. Marco Cheetos. <laughs> um, and uh, what what the Avenging Spider-Man essentially is it's. I guess it started out where Spider-Man was going to team up with a different Avenger every month. And um, I think what it has become is it's just a team-up book. It's Spider-Man teams up with a character. Now, is this current Spider-Man that is inhabited by Doc Ock, or is this really Peter Parker? That's a good question. I I thought it was going to be Peter Parker, Spider-Man, because I didn't think this took place within continuity, but... Sadly, it is Dr. Octopus. Mm, horror. Which really added to my um, displeasure with this book. Um, the art in the book was pretty cool. The page breakdowns were a little confusing, but I attribute that a bit to the nature of the Sleepwalker character, and they're trying to like create these... Oh my god. Unsettling dream sequences. It looks like stained glass comic book. Yeah. It really does. But like the pencils work within those panels is pretty amazing. And then there's this really killer panel where you see Spider-Man walking down the street and he's casting a huge shadow and it's of Dr. Octopus. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, this Cheetos dude can draw his dick off. Yes. And the color of the old Phantom Menace poster. And the coloring is really good, too. The colorist is um, uh, Rachel Rosenberg, of course. Of, you know. Rochelle Rosenberg? Is that it? Did I fuck that up? It looks like Rochelle. 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 E-L-L-E. Well, how's Rachel? Just E-L? Just E-L? Rachel. 
Rochelle. Rochelle. Okay. Kit, I mean, fucking, how about Debbie? Can I get that right? <laughs> Debbie Smith is the colorist on this one, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see that book. Um, so. How about Debbie? <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the reason I got this comic book was because the Sleepwalker character, that's the character that Spider-Man teams up with, was a popular character from the 90s and I myself have a soft spot for the 90s um, so you know to me maybe that's my golden age um, but the sleepwalker was in it I don't really remember many details about him or I don't even know if I ever really knew I just thought he looked really cool um, and I saw that he had come back I hadn't seen him in like 15 years so I was intrigued so I picked it up I read it um, it weirdly transitions between the real world and the dream world and Dr. Octopus is dealing with like his own like weird thoughts um, that you know are taking place within the dream and he's like almost having flashbacks of his childhood and he can't find his glasses for some reason you know how like when you have a dream there's this like one thing that like bothers you so bad but in like reality if you stop and think about it, it's really stupid well in his dream he couldn't find his glasses as a kid and then his abusive father shows up and the whole thing was just bizarre it was like reading a dream not fun it mm. was it was not fun i didn't enjoy it reading a dream of somebody that you hate that, uh... <laughs> You know, ruined a character that you love. Your art's really good, though. Oh, no, that would be Joe Quesada that ruined a character that I love. Um, Let, um, thank you, Joe. Now, did Joe Quesada... I know you're listening, Joe. Thanks. Now, Thanks for nothing. I don't think that he ruined it. Now, was it his choice to put Doc Ock in Spider-Man? No, he ruined him long before that. I don't think he ruined him as bad as he's ruined now, because I still bought Brand New Day, even after One More Day. Mm-hmm. I still got you hated it. I I did hate it, but I still got it. Um until this superior Spider-Man I won't get stuff this stuff is I almost feel like it's a ploy to make us forget how terrible Brand New Day is. It's like cuz they're going to go back to Brand New Day Spider-Man eventually and hey look, we fixed Spider-Man for you. It's like no, you Went back to it being shitty. Do you think they're ever going to return it to, like, JMS Spider-Man? You didn't like... Did you like JMS Spider-Man? I did at first. Okay. But then I felt like he didn't know what he was doing anymore. Uh, the first By the time he got into the Gwen Stacy stuff. I, honestly, I don't even remember. Yeah, that I, wasn't I, my favorite stuff either, but I really still, remember the It didn't ruin the character. The outrage that was had with the Gwen Stacy... Um, you know, twins and all that shit was is nowhere near what is going on right now, in my opinion. The 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 JMS stuff. Um, the first storyline was with the character Morlin, I think. Isn't Morloon. It? Morloon. Um, with the vamp, he was mm-hmm. a vampire, right? He was a and vampire. Then, uh, Offspring of uh, Dracula, I think it was. Yeah. And Spider Man becomes like meets Ezekiel. Was mm-hmm. that his name? Yeah. Yep. Um, that was really good. That was fucking great. But yeah, I felt like after that it was just like really that I guess that was the one story you wanted to tell, but you're not quite ready to give up the book. So it's like he just kept trying to figure out stories to write that I just couldn't connect with. I was happy with all of that stuff. I he, still liked right up until they rolled everything into Civil War. Mm. 
I like how they wrapped up when they did um, <clears throat> that butterfly character that was it was like that chick. dark butterfly chick character yeah. that was chasing after Spider-Man and how he had all he was um, like a totem and he had all these enemies of the spider god coming after him I thought it was different they brought in some weird villains and a different kind of element into Spider-Man I liked it all that's just that's cool yeah I, I liked all that stuff and that went off the rails when I wasn't JMS's book anymore once he once editorial started you know, he had to do the Civil War stuff, and then they decided to do one more day. They just tanked it. I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go with Spider-Man um, in the next year, because obviously they're going to make him Peter Parker again by the time The you Amazing think? Spider-Man comes out. Oh, hell yeah. Um, by the time Amazing Spider-Man comes out, they, they can't go into that movie and have it come out, and then for somebody to be like, hey, let me, let me get the Spider-Man comics. Well, you, you know, Spider-Man is Dr. Octopus now. Spider-Man's dead. Like, that just would not be okay. So Now, why is it okay to fuck us, the real fans, but then give the fans from the movies that might be new fans the real Spider-Man? Why is that okay well, to screw us until this movie comes out so a bunch of people that don't really follow Spider-Man or kind of don't care about him as much as me and you do, yeah. why is that okay? Because you've been fucking the, us for years. Because you guys yeah. are in the minority that don't like this story. There's a lot of people that are down that think this dance lot stuff with Doc Ock as Spider-Man, they think it's really good. If anybody that is listening to us likes this new Spider-Man, please... Get in touch with us and explain yourself, you maniac. Tom Lynch. <laughs> By the way, Humberto Ramos, superstar artist. And no, I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I think he's really good. I really like his stuff. But I wouldn't call him a superstar artist. I would. I did. We know. <laughs> you got the buzzer because of it. So, uh... Avenging Spider-Man number 19, I do not recommend it. Um, if this is the regular writer on the book, and this is the overall tone of the book, I don't recommend the series. And given the fact that it's Dr. Octopus, I insist that you not buy any Spider-Man, Spider-Man book. The, when Avenging Spider-Man started, it was a really great series. And I would recommend the first year's worth of Avenging. Um, but 12 issues of it? I don't know. I thought the first, the Joe Matarera story was pretty cool. Superstar artist? Yeah. I agree. These are all 90s guys, though. I don't know. I think his stuff's too. There's something about his stuff. When he did the, those ultimate arcs, I just wasn't really feeling it. That was about the worst shit he's ever done. He did a an image comic if you can believe it called Battle Chasers back in the late 90s what did they do what what did Battle Chasers do they chased uh, battles <laughs> they were right on their right on their heels <laughs> that was a softball right. that was your softball <laughs> I gotcha well podcasters that's gonna do it for this episode thank you for tuning in as always We'll see you next time. Good night.